You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 870 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. If you are a new listener to the podcast, welcome aboard. I know it is a very, very busy time for the Atlanta Hawks, so if you are a fan of the team and just now finding the podcast, we welcome you to the show. If you missed it in the last few days, we've had all kinds of content on this podcast. Yesterday's show was a breakdown of the reported signings of Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, as well as the offer sheet for Bogdan Madanovich. We'll talk more about those guys in a second. Prior to that, all kinds of deep dives into Danilo Gallinari, Hawks for agency overall, as well as prior to that, wall-to-wall coverage on the NBA draft with the Hawks landing uh, Aneka Kongwu as well as Skylar Mays along the way. So if you missed any of that, go back and catch up on the, on the archive right now. On today's show, we'll be talking about the signing, or at least the reported signing, of Solomon Hill, old friend Solomon Hill, as well as the latest fallout with the Hawks announcing Rajon Rondo's contract and the waiting game that is being played between the Hawks, the Kings, and Bogdan Bogdanovich. But first... Before we get to all of that stuff, I want to tell you about our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Go. Whether it's a mental wall or a physical wall, I can break through it right now with Built Go every single day. And Built Go is the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but energy is anything but fake. Instead, it's both lasting and it's natural. Built Go is easy to take a one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your golf bag, or your pocket, get you through whatever you're facing today. Built Go is essentially a five hour energy without the same feeling of a crash, plus, it's natural and it's better for the body. As a result, and there are three delicious flavors to choose from, and chocolate mint, peanut butter, honey, and chocolate coconut, BOGO is loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work. Listeners to the podcast will perhaps know that I have multiple jobs that I have to tend to on a regular basis, and sometimes... And a little bit extra to get through the day and the night, but Built Go is a fantastic solution to break through my own wall in order to try it for yourself. Visit BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED to get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. So as a point of process on today's podcast, I want to tell you that I am recording this at about 11 p.m. on Monday evening during free agency. It's always important to note when the podcast is being recorded so that when you're listening to it, you will know that it was in time when I was actually talking about stuff. There was a little bit of news, though, that broke on Monday, and the the big news of the day, if you want to call it that, was the report that the Hawks have come to a one-year agreement with Solomon Hill veteran forward. Um, Widely assumed, I will say, to be the minimum um, for this contract, the veteran's minimum. Um, And because I say that, it's because the Hawks don't really have space to play with a whole lot if Bogdanovich ends up being a Hawk, which we'll talk about later on in the podcast. But it's not been expressly announced or reported that it's the minimum, but it almost has to be. So I'm assuming that for right now, just for a full, full disclosure there. I do not know that to be the case. Just putting two two and two together. That's what it seems like at this point in time. Hill is a familiar name to diehard Hawks fans. He was acquired as a salary dump in the trade that landed DeAndre Hunter from from New Orleans, basically. The Hawks sending all kinds of assets and also taking back what was an eight-figure salary at that point in time from New Orleans in the in the form of Solomon Hill. And then from there, the Hawks packaged him with Miles Plumley in a trade for Chandler Parsons to consolidate and create a roster spot, all that stuff. And Hill was on a very lucrative contract. It was a four-year deal worth more than $50, $50 million total. That was a bit too much for Solomon Hill at that point in time. And when he was traded, he also had some injury stuff. He was certainly underwater on that contract. But now, that deal is over. He is a free agent. And obviously, we'll be signing with the Hawks according to this report. 
Um, just for the record, he was a rotation player last year for the Grizzlies and the Heat, which uh, is not a huge surprise, but s- still someone who and I know was sort of an afterthought for the Hawks when he sort of came through very briefly with Atlanta. But he is someone who can play, and um, you know that was kind of on display this year in Memphis and Miami. He played 48 games with Memphis and shot 38% from three while playing almost 19 minutes a game for a pretty decent team with the Grizzlies. Then he was in the he was in the trade for Justice Winslow to Miami. He played a much smaller role for the Heat, which is not surprising. They are, of course, um, the reigning Eastern Conference champion. But he did actually appear in a, in a handful of playoff games. Was not in the rotation, but certainly was like the next guy in the rotation. So he played a couple times in spot duty for the Heat in the playoff run. So certainly was uh, worthy of that investment. So that tells you a little bit about Solomon Hill and his potential value to the Hawks. Offensively, not a great player by any means. Not a total non-shooter, though. Has to be guarded out there. Knows where to be. Can move the ball a little bit. Not someone who's going to be a primary guy on the offensive end of the floor, but he can, he can space the floor, be in the right place, and just knock down shots. Have to be guarded on the perimeter. Defensively, uh, he is he is better and stronger on that end of the floor. At both, at both forward spots, he's played some three, played some four. He had been mostly a three previously. Um, now he's getting a little, a little bit older. He played some more four last year in Memphis and Miami. So I think he's trending towards the four a little bit, but someone who can, who can sort, certainly defend both wing spots. I guess I should say both both forward spots. He's probably going to have to chase around smaller guys, but he can defend big physical wings as well as power forwards in a pinch. He is very strong for his size, very physical. can move his feet a little bit as well. Not a bad athlete whatsoever. And by the way, Hill, for Atlanta, because this is almost more important because of the role that he'll probably be playing in Atlanta, he's extremely well regarded in the locker room and from a leadership perspective. An experienced guy. I asked around a little bit about Hill, both when the Hawks traded for him the first time last summer and also in the last few hours. And basically everyone that's covered him has been really high on Solomon Hill. Like we, we, we obviously don't always know everything that goes on in the locker room and beyond the locker room, but everyone speaks very highly of Solomon Hill, which is worth noting as you want to sort of add some depth and add a guy who may not be um, at least a problem. You know, it's one of those things where if you're signing a guy in this role, which because the Hawks are so deep right now, it almost has to be said that Solomon Hill will not be playing on this team unless there are injuries or whatever. And that kind of guy you have to be comfortable with just kind of being okay with that, being a leader off the floor, being a leader on the floor when he's playing, being a leader on the bench, all that stuff. And they clearly want to invest in Hill throughout Prism. And that's kind of what I've heard about him, that, is that he's a very well-regarded guy. So that kind of speaks to what they're doing there. And just kind of being okay again with not being able to play a ton. And he, he could play, for sure. If, if, if there were injuries, certainly could fill in. I, th- I think that based on the Hawks' depth chart right now, I'd be pretty surprised if Hill was playing early on in the season. But again, one or two injuries and you have to sort of go down to the bench. And uh, having more quality depth is a good thing through that Prism. Again, as a reminder, he was a fringe rotation guy on an NBA Finals team less than two months ago. So that probably overstates it a little bit, but he was not a fixture in Miami. He does have experience, to be sure, and he can play. Um, I think that's uh, one of those things where I've said this a lot about, about different guys on this podcast, but there was this notion that Hill was bad because he was overpaid, and overpaid does not mean bad. Um, Hill can play. He's probably a fringe rotation player for a lot of teams. In Atlanta, he probably won't be at the early start, but I would compare them this sort of to Tony Snell. A lot of the, a lot of the reaction that Hawks fans had to Tony Snell when I was talking about how this is a good idea for the Hawks and he could fit and be a good rotation player was that Tony Snell is bad, and it's like, no, that's he's actually not. Overpaid, Yes. Solomon Hill on his previous contract, making $13 million a year, was overpaid, but Solomon Hill can play, and Solomon Hill is a rotation player in the NBA, so will he be in Atlanta? Probably not, but this is a good depth signing. Honestly, if it's for the minimum, you can't really ask for too much more than this if you're Atlanta. It's a pure depth piece for sure, but he can play the three, he can play the four in a pinch, um, and obviously, 
I think the only, the only surprise here is that the Hawks maybe are adding him in place of another center. That was kind of the spot that I thought might go to a bigger player because of what Atlanta actually has on their roster. At the same time, though, the Hawks do have three centers with Capella, Akangwu, and Bruno Fernando. Plus, John Collins can, can and will play center at some time, so that's four. And then they also have Nathan Knight on the two-way contract. And while you don't want to play Knight, he is a good insurance option if you just have a bunch of injuries and have to just have somebody with size. So they do have five guys under contract that can play center. So it's not it's like they don't have to go out and get another center at this point in time. So that sort of leads us to the discussion of bringing on Hill. And I, I think that's that's totally fine. Would it make a little bit more sense maybe to, to find a center? Maybe. But Hill can do a lot of things for you. And uh, if thrust into playing time, he could certainly help the team. I like the move. It's not a hugely consequential addition, probably, at this point in time. But a good use of a minimum contract, if that's what it ends up being. So, I like this. I'll sign off on it for, for right now. And uh, Solomon Hill has not been announced just yet, but that seems like it's going to be happening in the coming days. So, uh, welcome back, I guess, to Solomon Hill, who was never actually on the roster for a game, but was a member of the Hawks for a brief period of time last summer. Okay, before we pivot to the rest of the show, I do want to take a second now to hear from our sponsors on today's podcast. All right, and we'll pivot back to the news and notes now. As I said before, it's basically kind of a slow day, at least in terms of recent baseline. On Monday, the Hawks have been making a pretty big move almost every day, or maybe even two a day, the last couple of days dating back to the draft. But now it's uh, we'll, we'll sort of settle into a more normal uh, timeline on the podcast. But in addition to the Solomon Hill move, on Monday, the Hawks did some other housekeeping stuff that we want to at least catch up on. First of all, the Hawks renounced all their free agents, which is not a huge surprise at all. In fact, it's a procedural move that was widely expected. It was always going to happen. If the Hawks had not done this, they would have been over the cap in a lot of ways, holding on to guys' cap holds to keep them on the roster. Guys like guys like Scalabissier, Deandre Bembry, uh, Damian Jones, etc. Travion Graham, etc. So that was a uh, procedural move, and um, that sort of leads us to the next port, of this um, sort of news uh, reveal. And that's that DeAndre Bembry is going to be heading to Toronto. That was actually reported by De- by Adam Schefter, the NFL reporter, on Sunday night, which is kind of funny. But DeAndre was the longest tenured Hawk, actually. Uh, and the final player on the roster that was not acquired by Travis Schlenk, he was the only holdover from the Budenholzer era of um, the, of the front office. Bembry's a guy that I've always enjoyed. Um, I'm happy that he found a guaranteed deal. I always thought that he would. It's a two-year deal for uh, in, in Toronto. I think he's an NBA player when he's healthy. He was not always healthy in Atlanta. The jump shot was a question, all that stuff. But he plays hard. He plays good defense. Um, I always enjoyed him, although we all, we all kind of knew that that was not going to be coming back to Atlanta, at least unless there was a surprise. The only guy that I've been talking about the entire time of, of the free agents that could that could be back was Scalabissier, um, just because they invested in him with the trade midseason. But guys like Membry and Jones, uh, by the way, Jones also got a deal, so congratulations to, D- to Damian on that as well. So uh, we'll follow those guys a little bit in the future, but not, not too much on, on this podcast. But DeAndre was especially a guy who was lo- around for a long time, and again, the longest tenured Hawk. So right now, at this moment in time, John Collins is now the longest tenured Hawk on the roster, and um, the entire roster now is uh, under the purview of Schlenk. Bembry was the only guy before uh, Schlenk arrived, so there you go on that. The Hawks also announced officially the signing of Rajon Rondo on Monday. That was, of course, widely reported. We talked about that on, on yesterday's podcast. But um, I wanted to read you the quote from Travis Schlenk that was uh, sort of in the release of the announcement, and it is the following, and I quote, Rajon is, is an intense competitor, a proven winner, and a, and a true student of the game. His resume and experience speak for themselves. We're excited to add him to our group, end quote. Uh, Rondo will be wearing, wearing number seven in uh, Atlanta. That's a change, of course, and of course, if you, if you saw some of the photoshops that were out there about Rondo, it was usually his old number, number nine. In fact, he's worn, he's worn number nine in the, in the NBA the entire way in all of the stops, but in Atlanta, 
That number is retired for Bob Pettit, Hall of Famer Bob Pettit, back in the St. Louis days of the Hawks. So uh, Rondo's pivoting to number seven. He's number four in college. I have no idea about the explanation there. That was part of the announcement for the Hawks, um, um, sort of announcing the signing. So that is now going to be happening. We all knew that already. But salary cap-wise, it's a little bit curious that the Hawks announced Rondo from a cap perspective. Usually you want to line up your transactions in a certain way. But obviously they have a plan of some sort here. And uh, I can sort of consult it with some people that are smarter than I am about salary cap. I think Atlanta can fit Rondo in at a flat $7.5 million a year salary, so uh, over two years. Just have that be flat, $7.5 million both, both seasons. If they do that, they could also start Danilo Gallinari's contract at the high end and have it decline if they wanted to, and they'd still be able to get in the Bogdanovich offer sheet. That's what I would do if they possibly can do that. I'm not sure if Gallinari agreed to that. We don't know that at this, at this point in time. The details of those contracts are not publicly known right now, but that would make some sense to start Gallinari higher. That way his contract's declining. It gets lower as he gets older, also more uh, movable later on if you want to do that. It could preserve some extra cap space for next year and potentially the year after that if the Hawks wanted to get creative. So that's something I just wanted to point out. But uh, it sort of announces why that Rondo was the first guy they announced because if he's just flat, it doesn't really matter when it happens. The Hawks already have the cap space, etc. But that, that deal is now official. It was announced on Monday, and there you go. Last thing on the podcast today, the Hawks are still waiting on the offer sheet for Bogdan Bogdanovich. We talked about this a little bit yesterday about the player himself, all of that stuff. If you missed any of that, go back and listen to it for sure. But the Sacramento Bee reported that the deadline to match for Sacramento is 1 p.m., Eastern Time on Tuesday. That's about when the first reporting came out from Sam Amick on Sunday. So they had 48 hours to match at this point in time when I'm recording late in the evening here on Monday. They've not decided that just yet. There's been some conflicting information that's out there for sure. Um, I will say the... I almost don't want to use the word assumption. So most people that are sort of intel reporting on this are leaning in the direction of the Kings not matching. With that said... That's not a certainty by any means. So no one, no one that I have seen anyway that's credible that's reported on this has said that the Kings are expected not to match. There is some sourcing out there that says they may not match or maybe likely won't match, but that's not the same thing as saying that they won't. The Kings have their own money stuff going on right now um, just because of the fact that they... For especially for the following season, for year two of Bogdanovich's contract, they'll they'll be uh, potentially having some tax concerns because they just they just paid De'Aaron Fox a max contract and he's worthy of that. But they also have Buddy Heald making a ton of money. Harrison Barnes making a ton of money. Um, they uh, drafted Tyrese Halliburton by the way, also who's a uh, sort of a combo guard type, as we talked about on the, on the podcast quite a bit. So, on one hand, you want to retain the asset if you're the Kings, and Bogdanovich is one of their better players. On the other hand, they have such an investment in Heald and don't want to really deal with the tax stuff that they could let him go. In fact, there's been some reporting out there about the uh, Kings looking to maybe shed Buddy Hill's contract in some other way. In fact, John Hollinger floated the Hawks as a potential option in a swap for Tony Snell. I personally have talked about Hill a lot on this podcast the last few weeks slash months. Uh, that contract is not good in my in my view. Is he a good player? Yes, he is. He's a great shooter, but that deal is underwater, so you have to treat it as such. I would not be paying anything to take off um, Buddy Hield. But regardless, it looks like the Kings are at least still weighing this, and uh, they're not they're not going to be in a hurry. At the very least, they shouldn't make a decision. Most teams do not match or not match on contracts unless it's, it's, it's until the very, very end of that cycle, which is going to be Tuesday midday. So we'll see what happens there. Um, at this point in time, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, it's just uh, a waiting game. That's the best way to put it. It's a waiting game. On the Hawks' side, the Hawks are down to one roster spot available, and that's with Skylar Mays on a two-way. So... 
if Bogdanovich um, is on the team, the Hawks could be done. They don't have to be. They could make trades, all that stuff. But if the Hawks get Bogdanovich, they could just kind of chill the rest of the offseason. Um, I'm not projecting that. I'm not saying they will do that. But if you do that, that signing, which is already done, if they if they if it's not matched, if he's on the team, they have 15 guys under contract. Maze and Maze is sort of uh, sort of hovering out there without without a deal right now. He could be on a two way, and then Knight's on a two way, and that could be your entire team, and you could be done. If Bogdanovich is not on the team, the Hawks have a roster spot if they want to play with it, but they also have between 16 and 19 million dollars in salary cap space. I wrote a whole piece about this, by the way, PeacherHoops.com. If you want to see anything that I sort of laid out in written form, but Atlanta does not have anybody to really spend that money on on free agents. There is no one available, and I mean really no one available, that's worthy of even $10 million a year on the free agent market right now. Um, there's a couple guys that will be useful, like like Glenn Robinson III is the guy that I point, that I point to, I think, probably the best free agent available right now for Atlanta, but with all due respect to uh, to GR3, who I really like, who's a Michigan guy that I always appreciate, he is not someone who's worth $10 million a year, and obviously the Hawks have even more than that. So there's some options that Hawks could Look, at, look into taking on a bad contract for an asset. They could roll some space in the next year for some flexibility. Um, just all kinds of stuff that they could do on that front. But I will say this just for for absolute clarity. If Bogdanovich does not come, the Hawks will have more cap space than they can sign players with in terms of just signing one guy to a free agent contract. So it's not a bad thing necessarily, but if you are uh, someone who's not loving the Bogdanovich contract, that's the, that, that's the reality if they, if they end up matching it. If they don't match it, the Hawks could be set, um, you know, barring trades. We'll touch on that stuff later on. So we will obviously litigate what the Hawks should do or what they could do more if Bogdanovich is not on the roster. If he is, we'll pivot sort of to the trade market and or just kind of going with this roster moving forward. Obviously, the Hawks are better with Bogdanovich than, than without him. That's worth saying. Even if you don't love the contract, and I think because of the way it's structured, four for seventy-two with a player option and tri kicker, it's not a great contract for Atlanta. I think that's about it's about what Bogdanovich is worth. Um, maybe even a little bit of an overpay. But regardless, the the deed's sort of done there. The offer sheet's been put in, and also there's a flexibility question. The Hawks don't really have a ton of it anyway, even if they don't come back um, without him. So. I'm okay with it. I think it's a perfectly fine investment for Atlanta. They had, they had to overpay a little bit to make it sweat on the Sacramento side. So Bogdanovich is going to be a good player if the Hawks can get him. They they will be better without. Sorry, they will be better with him than they are without him. At the same time, the Hawks do have depth if they if they do not get Bogdanovich. So keep that in mind as well. The sky is not falling if they don't get Bogdanovich. They have plenty of options. The Hawks will be a little bit worse without him for sure for next year. But we'll talk about that at the appropriate time. So that's going to be happening uh, midday on Tuesday at the very latest, and we'll have a podcast by Wednesday morning to wrap that all up. As a programming note, I'm probably going to take Thanksgiving off just because it's Thanksgiving, and then we'll have one more podcast on Friday after the Wednesday show, so probably two more this two more this week. I have um, a conversation that I've already banked, actually. We'll be hearing sometime in the near future with Harrison Fagan, who covered the who covers the Lakers uh, on a full time basis. So he is the managing editor of Silver Screen and Roll. I talked to him about Ray John Rondo for uh, quite obviously about twenty minutes. So that's coming in the near future. I'm not sure exactly which podcast it's going to be on, but you'll hear from Harrison, who has some good insight into covering Rondo, what to expect from him, etc. I'm also efforting a guest or two to cover uh, Gallinari as well as maybe even Chris Dunn. But um, you know, just kind of getting that perspective out there for people that have watched these guys every minute of the season last year, etc. So that's going to be coming hopefully in the coming days. Please subscribe to this podcast. Please tell a friend or two or three about the show. Subscribe, rate, review. We will see you next time.